business is a people game. It's all about doing it with people you enjoy. And there's a very famous saying, and it goes, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I think that saying is completely wrong. What I've learned is that if you want to go fast, go together. And if you want to go far, go together. Because building with people and bringing people into your business is just the greatest way to move fast and to move far at the same time. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, this introduction is going to be just a little bit longer than normal, and here's why. We had an amazing guest, uh, Harrison Hunter Reed, who as a young person of just 25 years of age is already starting sort of his third company, had a couple uh, successful operations that he launched as a young person. I say young person, 25, well, let's say hey, that's the age of my son. And uh, unfortunately, the very end of the show, because he was calling in from Columbia, uh, we had some internet connection um, breakup. And so I just want to make sure that you have all his contact information up front. His company is Kuleg, spelled K-O-O-H-L-A-H. And one of the things that Harrison had is that he had depression and obesity as a young person and really overcame that and now his drive is to create healthy snacks that will combat that both psychologically but also from an addiction point of view so we know a lot of the snack foods out there are addictive he said I want to change that I want to be able to set that up so I apologize in advance that the very end of the show just ends up a little awkward but there was no way that we could get his connection back he tried calling in and so I apologize in advance for that I know that we want to have good quality for you uh, but I think the first chunk of the, the of uh, the interview is just his story and where he's at and just uh, listen to his heart I you know I'm impressed with any and I say this lightly because a young person a millennial who's really driving, wants to have a why, and is making a difference. And I think we certainly can learn from that, uh, even at his age, as he's growing and maturing and developing, and really being humble about it all. So I appreciate that. And that's the reason for the longer intro. And um, at the very end there, just bear with us as we kind of wrap up sort of quickly and maybe even awkwardly a bit uh, because we couldn't get the connection back. I just didn't want to throw out the interview and, and you hear what I'm saying. Now, on the other hand, uh, one of the things that we talked about in the interview is just the importance of people having a why, having their purpose. My latest book is The Quest for Purpose. It's a roadmap for people to get clear about, you know, why are you here? What are you doing in all parts of your life? I'm not saying that it, you just show up and you just do it. You, there is some effort around it. One of the other uh, new programs we have is our online course, What Do You Really Value? It's around the values preference indicator, and we have links to that in the show notes for this. It's a very transformational yet very simple process, so that might be a start so that you get clear about your why, what motivates you, what's most important to you. The other thing is maybe you have a friend like Harrison who is really struggling with clarity and about where they're going and what's most important. So maybe that's a link that you want to forward to them. As always, I thank you for being a listener. If you can, uh, just please share the links with the people that uh, you most want to be able to serve. Uh, thank you for your positive comments on whatever platform you're listening in. And if you have are listening on, 
And if you have any comments that you want to send to me directly, then just please do that in one of the uh, emails or the platforms that you're listening on. So thanks you again for being a Secrets of Success listener. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes, and here's our interview with Harrison. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, I always like to have diversity on my show, and I actually have somebody today that represents the millennials, my son's age. And so we'll get into sort of his background and, you know, why is he on the show already at such a young age to be able to kind of make a difference there? So he's got a great story. We're going to be listening to that. So welcome to the show, Harrison Hunter Reed. Kevin, thank you so much for having me on your show. You know, I've listened to an episode. I have heard about it. Um, and you run a really great show, and I'm excited to share this experience with you. Hey, well, thanks, uh, Harrison. And, and just to clarify, it's Ken, not Kevin. But that's it's Ken. Oh, I apologize. Ken. No, well, sometimes yes. it happens. Sometimes Kevin happens, and so that's not a, not a problem. So when we think about it now, you know, we were talking off air before we got into the recording of this, Harrison. Uh, you grew up in New York, and I'm going to hear your story in a minute. But it's interesting, you know, with podcasts being global, and I've been on shows in Australia or guests from Australia or Europe or Dubai. Uh, you're, you're, we're recording this while you sit in your apartment in Colombia. Yeah, Colombia is, you know, one of my favorite places in the world. And, you know, we talked about this earlier, but... Um, you know, my work, my work schedule is very hectic and I travel around the world. I'm in different countries all the time. I'm in and out of the U.S., you know, about six times a year, um, maybe more. And, you know, whenever I have the time and the ability, I like to come down to Columbia where I could just clear my head. I could focus. I could be myself and I could really work on the business versus always just working in the business. Because when you're traveling around and there's so much going on, you kind of get caught up in the day-to-day. -day. You never really get to sit back and say, okay, where are we going? You know, how can we create a better message? How can we communicate our message better? You know, how can we bring in more innovation? So when I come down here and I think about my business, it's where I really come up with my best ideas that, you know, really help move my businesses forward. Mm. Well, Harrison, you make a good point for those of us that are, you know, the Secrets of Success listeners, is that environment matters and environment, you know, contributes to our energy and what's working for us. I know that if I'm going on holidays, I love go to a warm climate. Uh, being from Vancouver, Canada, it's not, it's not that it's cold, but the winter can't have snow or it could be at freezing. So thanks for that story. And we'll come back to how you got there in the first place uh, later on in the show. So let's just kind of dial it back, Harrison. Uh, you, you know, in my, in our opinion, we're, you're a young person, so you're millennial <laughs> in this twenties, and there's no negative judgment on that. That just is. So, right. uh, you grew up in New York. What was sort of the family life like uh, for you? In siblings, all that kind of stuff. What did your parents do? Right. Yeah, that's a pretty loaded question. Um, you know, there's a there's a whole that's bunch. I'm of... host. I get to ask them, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so uh, I would say that I had a blessed childhood. Um, you know, I I had a lot of pain growing up. So I actually, you know, uh, we probably get more into this later is, um, you know, I struggled with obesity for, you know, almost my entire life. You know, this is an audio podcast. If you saw a video of me, you wouldn't believe that, but it's true. It's the case. 
Well, uh, um, by the way, listeners, we did we were on video before we recorded this, and I wouldn't have believed that because uh, that is not evident at this point visually, unless you had some kind of app that was adjusting <laughs> your look, which can happen. Yeah. CG is pretty good these days, but okay. it is the new thing. Yeah, okay. um, well, I don't have an app. That, so part of the driving or one of the factors for you growing up was this whole sort of a, a obesity undertow. Yeah, so you know, obesity was a really big part of my life, um, and with that came a lot of depression, um, you know, procrastination and insecurities, um, and you know. You know, a big driving factor of my life was, you know, you know, one, I really wanted to lose weight and to get fit and to, to be in shape. Um, but if I'm really honest with myself and I really, like, you know, think about deep down, like, all I really wanted to do was be happy. Um, and I wasn't growing up. Um, and that was really tough, but I was blessed with the really great parents. Um, you know, my, my mom, you know, retired really young after she had my, you know, older brother. So I have two older brothers. Um, and my dad was able to sustain the household. Um, and he did that because he worked really hard. Um, and he was a really good influence in my life. It's actually really funny, um, to hear them talk now because, you know, growing up, um, you know, you go to school at a pretty early time, but every time I would go to school, my dad was already in the office. Um, and he wouldn't really get home until late. I mean, his goal was always to make it home in time for dinner, which we would have a late dinner so that he could do it. And most of the time he did, you know, he was a really good father. Um, but he didn't all the time because he worked really hard. And, you know, now I hear them talk and they're always worried about, you know, if, if, you know, they didn't, if, uh, we didn't really see my dad, you know, work hard. Um, but you know, it's really evident. My dad works really hard, and he's a really great role model for me. And so, what did what did he know, do, Harrison? What was his job? So, uh, my dad was in in finance. So he traded um, convertible securities, which is <laughs> is actually kind of a fascinating sort of business. Um, and it had him, you know, you know, one glued to the desk during market hours, but then also before and after market hours. So you'd have to prepare. You'd have to do research. He would have to come up with um, strategy. Wow. And uh, did it treat him well? Yeah, it, it treated him well. And that's actually another part of my story. So my dad uh, was, is pretty successful. He actually, um, he had his own business for a while and it, it, it kind of just um, went under. Uh, but he was successful for me growing up and I built a huge story around that. Um, you know, my dad had, you know, made money and, you know, we were successful and I sort of, you know, wanted to separate myself with that. So even though that my parents had money, you know, I grew up in this sort of, you know, scarcity mindset where, you know, there was money around, but it wasn't mine. And so I had this really weird relationship with money for a, a long time in my life. You know, I recently, you know, gotten over that. Um, but I was always kind of not necessarily afraid of money, but I was afraid to spend money, which, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, um, if you really want to take your business to the next level, it's, you know, a lot of it is spending money. It's all about investing. It's not about, you know, how much things cost. It's about what kind of value you get in return from, 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 you know, the investment. And so that's something that I've discovered recently. That's really helped me take my businesses to the next level. But I kind of struggled with growing up because I did come from a household that, um, you know, had, had a lot of money. Mm. 
Now, how do you think having money was the one that difficulty with you? Because I've had many guests on the show where they didn't have anything, right? Right. And so, you know, scarcity mindset, protect what you have because you you're not going to get any. What do you think, what kind of mindset was it setting up for you as a teenager? Well, for me, it was, it was something similar. It was, you know, I didn't want to be, you know, someone who, like, you know, I kind of created this sort of, you know, mindset where, I, you know, it, it had to come from me that, you know, I wanted to create it. I wanted to, to, to um, be sort of, um, you know, I felt insecure, you know, spending my parents' money. So it all had to come from me. So I kind of grew up in that mindset. And the thing about that mindset is, um, you know, money is a, is a very valuable tool. And, you know, um, you know, I have friends that, you know, they grew up with money and they sort of accepted that. And it's very beautiful to see what they're doing now, you know, how much good they're doing with the money. You know, money allows people to, um, you know, really make a difference in the world and, and put into play what they want to see. It just makes, you know, a lot of those things a lot easier. Um, and I fought that for a really long time. Um, and so, you know, to answer your question about, about mindset is, you know, I had this funny um, – I had this funny sort of, you know, attachment to money, but also another thing is because, you know, I wanted to so much separate myself from, you know, my parents' money, I also formed this mindset where, you know, I needed to create all the success for myself. And so, you know, the first business that I created, um, it was all me. Like I didn't have any partners. I didn't really bring people in. You know, I limited the people who I worked with and something that I've learned over time is business is a people game. Um, it's all about doing it with people you enjoy. And, um, you know, there's a saying, there's a very famous saying, and it goes, um, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I think that saying is completely wrong. What I've learned is that if you want to go fast, go together. And if you want to go far, go together. Because building with people and bringing people into your business is just the, the um, greatest way to move fast and to move far at the same time. Fair enough. Well, now let's just back up. Uh, obesity, uh, a real thing that's going on with you, money stuff, so we'll just leave that for a moment. Uh, so now high school, you're finishing high school. What did you do after that? Now, you started this first business. When did you start this first business? How old were you? So the, the business that I was talking about is my second business. The first business I started um, when I was 18. And this is sort of, I kind of, I, I would say that I, I lucked into it. Um, so, my, so I had a few friends um, freshman year of college that started an event company. And they invited me to join as a co-founder, which was really an amazing experience. Um, because what we did is, you know, we weren't a normal event company. Um, we were a company that would throw events and any dollar we raised would go to charity. And in order to maximize the amount of money we could give to charity, we didn't spend any money on events. Everything that we put together was either through donations. You know, we would get sound equipment donated, light, uh, lighting equipment donated. We would have DJs come in and play for free. And anything else we need, we would get sponsored. So, you know, this company, you know, we ran it for a year. Uh, in our culmination, actually, um, we hosted an event, and we had over 800 people showing up. 
for so for a bunch of you know 18 year old kids that had zero capital to host you know a, a massive event with 800 people and to raise thousands of dollars of charity it was a really amazing experience that I'm really lucky and blessed that I got kind of pulled into now when you think about college what were you taking in college as far as a major <laughs> <laughs> oh Ken that's a really really great question um, so actually, uh, it's a really funny story, and I was talking about this um, with someone the other day. Um, I actually happened to major in entrepreneurship in college, um, but I don't equate learning really anything from college to my success today. You know, and the reason why I majored in entrepreneurship is, you know, I struggled a lot in college. I was still fighting obesity. I was still fighting um, depression. You know, I, I would turn to, to uh, drugs and alcohol in order to sort of escape from my life. And um, I would not go to a lot of class. And actually, um, after sophomore year, my parents sat me down. Um, and, you know, I was in a bad place at the time. And we all agreed that it would be, you know, a really powerful experience for me to go to sort of an outdoor leadership uh, school program. And what's really funny is that in this semester away from college, I actually got more college credits in that semester than I had in any semester before that. Um, and in that sort of experience, that. yeah, yeah, it was pretty amazing. Um, and in that experience, it was 88 days. Uh, we didn't have access to cell phones, the internet, the outside world. We were in the woods. We were hiking every day, sometimes as much as 15 miles in a day. Um, we carried our tents on our back, our food on our back. We had one change of clothes for three months. We we didn't really shower, um, you know. Where, all where, water. Where, we is, where was where is this, Harrison? <laughs> what part of the country? Uh, so this was in um, New Mexico. We hiked through the Gila Mountains, uh, and they, it's a program called Knowles, and they actually have programs all over the country. Okay, so um, how do you spell you know, that? N O L S. It stands for National Outdoor Leadership School. And how did that get onto your parents' radar? That's a, that's a really good question, and I'm not a completely sure. I believe um, my dad may have had a friend that did it when he was my age, or um, he had a friend that had a kid that had done it. Um, but, you know, he had come to learn of this school, and he had learned that, you know, a lot of the graduates have actually gone on to leave pretty successful lives. And it's because, you know, when you spend 88 days disconnected from the world, you kind of do a lot of thinking. Um, and you know, I thought a lot about my you, life. How did you survive without a cell phone for 88 days? <laughs> it was really hard. It was during football season too. And I was a really big football fan. So I was kind of devastated that I wasn't able to, you know, know how my team was doing or, you know, watch any of the games. Um, but it, it really, you know, we're really addicted to these cell phones. And, you know, after, you know, a week or so, you really forget about it. And you start just to enjoy the little things of life, like, you know, the people in your life or, you know, you know, games you could play or just the beauty of nature. Mm. Um, How many were in your group that you were hiking with? So we started out with 14, and I think we ended with um, uh, 11. Some, Some people, people uh, make don't it. make it the whole three months. Yeah, right. they just they couldn't they couldn't give up their cell phone for that long. Wow. So when you think about it, uh, Harrison, if you if obesity was part of your life, were you going into this event being not as fit as you'd like to be? So this is actually a a big event that you know really helped me um, you know overcome obesity. 
Um, I mean, it, it, it wouldn't, it's not what I would give credit to, um, but when you're, you know, living in the woods, hiking every day and only having the food on your back, you do lose a good amount of weight. Um, was I kind of insecure about going into it in my weight? Um, I would say no. I went into it really exciting, really excited about the prospect of, you know, being in a structured program where I would lose a lot of weight without really even having to think about it. Plus uh, just being fitter by doing that amount of walking and hiking every day. Right, exactly. Um, so how anyway, old were you so when you did this? Were you 19, 20 years old? I was, I was 20 years old. And this was at a point where, you know, the semester before it, I was going out seven nights a week and not really going to class at all. Um, and so during this experience and doing all of this thinking, you know, I really under, learned to understand, like, you know, the, the deeper meaning and the more of the purpose of life, because that's what you kind of think about when you're there. And I realized that, you know, I wanted to get my life together. I wanted to create something in this world, but not just for myself. I wanted to create something to give back. And so when I went back to, to college, second semester, junior year, after, you know, coming from a semester where I got more credits than I had ever gotten before, you know, I walked in and I went straight to my admissions advisor and I said, I want to graduate in four years. How can I do that? And, you know, she looked at me and she, we pulled out a list of all of the possible majors and we just went through it one by one and she was like, nope, that's not possible. Nope, that's not possible. Nope, you can't major in that. Um, and entrepreneurship was pretty much the only major I could do and graduate in four years. And that's sort of how I got into that, which is why it's a, it's a pretty funny story. Uh, opportunistic, but also uh, interesting. <laughs> they say it's a four-year degree, but apparently it's not anymore. The, the universities, universities want you there for another year for your money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as a person who has a wife who worked at a university – and who's taught at a university, I, I get that. So uh, with that, you came out, you finished. Anything in between there in those, you know, year three and four where uh, you were, you finished that business, you did the event business, it's done, then what happened? Well, I think actually a, a good part of my story happened before um, that program. Um, so in, in high school, um, at the end of high school, I thought that I wanted to be in real estate. You know, I really liked the prospect of, you know, spending time out of an office, making sales, um, making a lot of money. And, you know, to me, real estate was that kind of business. So, you know, I offered my services to a real estate firm um, for free. Uh, you know, I was an unpaid intern just to learn the, the business of real estate. And, um you know, I wasn't a very great employee. There's actually one day where, you know, my boss called me over and she says, hey, Harrison, uh, we're having an open house tomorrow. I'm going to send you a list of people. I need you to call them up and invite them to our open house. And I was like, sure, no problem. So I get back to my computer um, and I get the email and um, I open it up. It's an Excel file. And there are 2,000 names on this file. And, you know, to me, you know, I don't want to call 2,000 people. That's ridiculous. You know, I just, you know, I'm just trying to learn the business, but I'm not really trying to work any, work really hard. And so, you know, what I did was I saw that they had email addresses in this Excel file. I copied all the email addresses. I put it in email. I sent the email. I sent the information of the open house to everybody. And then I could get back to just, you know, playing games on my phone and, 
you know, not doing anything. And then a couple hours later that day, my phone rings. Uh, and it's the CEO of the company. And the CEO says, hey, Harrison, could you come talk to me? And so I got up and I walked over to his desk. He was one of those CEOs that was sort of like in the middle of everything. You know, he had his cubicle in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, hey, what's going on? And he said, Harrison, did we ask you to, you know, call a list of names to invite them to the open house? And I was like, yeah, you did. He said, did you email that list of names to invite them to the open house? And I said, yeah, you know, there was a ton of names. It didn't have a lot of time. So I figured this would be, you know, the most efficient way to get everyone informed of the open house. And he says, Harrison, um, I've been getting calls all day. People who want to be taken off the email list, you know, looking at your performance over the past couple of weeks, you know, we can't have you anymore. I'm sorry, you're fired. And, you know, to me as, you know, a 17-year-old kid, what I heard was, you know, Harrison, you know, we pay you nothing. And to us, you're worth less than zero. And so, you know, I was really crushed with that. And that sort of carried over throughout my life. It was kind of why I was so motivated to, you know, get involved in the events businesses because I wanted to prove that I had something um, to offer and that I could mm-hmm. be successful. And, you know, once I hit the, the outdoor leadership program, I really got the vision in my head of how to be successful. And that's when I sort of turned everything around. Um, and then so what, after that, how did your mindset change? What shifted for you? So I, uh, there was a day in the woods where I was hanging out in a cave with this guy named Johnny, who's, you know, one of my best friends to this day. And, you know, Johnny wasn't the coolest guy in school, but Johnny was someone that everybody really liked. And I really wanted to understand, you know, why everybody really liked him. Because, you know, I really liked him. He was just such a likable guy. Um, and he taught me about the power of vulnerability and authenticity and being open. Um, and so I sat him down in a cave one day and I was like, Johnny, like, teach me. How do I, you know, be like this? Um, and so he sat with me until like four in the morning one night, just sharing stories of, you know, you know, his deepest, darkest secrets. And, you know, I'm just sat in there listening, wanting to, to do this and wanting to, you know, be, you know, vulnerable. And I just couldn't keep myself from, you know, looking bad. And so after, you know, like six hours of him sharing his deepest, darkest secrets, he finally got one out of me. Um, And I realized that, you know, there was a lot in life that I didn't really understand. But, you know, one, it's really important to be authentic. But two, um, the purpose of our life is really to, to help others. And so up until that point, up until I was 20 years old, you know, everything that I did in my life was kind of ego driven and self centered. You know, I got into the, the events company, you know, even though we were doing good and raising money for charity, it was, you know, to boost my ego, to be someone who's 18 and starting a company and, you know, doing good, but it wasn't, it wasn't to do good. It was because I knew doing good made me look better. Um, and it wasn't until I was 20 when I was like, that is a, a really silly mindset. And the purpose of life is to do good, to do good, not so to do good. So people like, respect you or worship you or, or fawn over you. So that was kind of the mindset that sort of, you know, freed me. It really, it it really generated a lot of energy in me. And it also helped me look at things completely differently. Um, So for example, um, I have a, uh, a health food company, you know, we're creating snack foods and um, the mission of our company is to help those that struggle with weight issues uh, take control of their health and live a more vibrant life. And, you know, a couple, a couple months ago, I was, participating in this sort of goal setting experience where, you know, you wrote down 
some goals and then you had a group where you would share the group because you know when you share your goals you're kind of putting it out there and it's just like internally more motivating because you know other people know what you're trying to create and so one thing I wrote down was um, that my company Kulas I wanted to do two way, million dollars you O-O-H-L-A-H. Yes. Right. So it's K, and then it's the word U, O-O-H, and then it's L, and the word A, A-H. Um, that's how you kind of spell it. And so I, I wrote down, you know, Kulaz will do $2 million in revenue in 2020. Um, and then it was my turn to share, and I get up, and I'm excited. I'm like, you know, Kulaz is going to do tw- – tw- tw- and I sort of just kind of like broke down and I, I lost all energy and I realized like, you know, that was kind of an ego driven goal. It didn't really excite me or light me up. So during the exercise, I crossed that out and you know, my team's like, what are you doing? We're supposed to talk about it. And I was just like, here, give me one second. And I rewrote it in a phrase, Kula will help 2 million people take control of their health in 2020. And that just excited me and lit a fire. And so that's sort of the mindset that I was able to, to generate, you know, in that three month program where I hiked through the woods. Cool. So where did this idea of this company come up for you as far as your, now, did you say to me before we were on the air that you're just launching this, this food line here in the next little bit? Yeah. So we're launching um, in five weeks in the middle of March. Um, on Kickstarter and you know how this food concept came to be you know when I graduated from college I started a, a financial services business um, you know I just got out of that program I knew I wanted to help people um, you know I knew I had you know strengths in certain areas which were you know relationship management building relationships and influencing people and so I you know looked at a bunch of different industries and I tried to figure out you know with my strengths and my desire to help people, you know, how can I make the biggest impact? And so I chose an industry that, you know, one is, you know, a huge stressor in people's lives. It's one of the, it's the number one cause of divorce in the U.S. And, you know, there is a, a struggle with ethics and morality in the business. It's definitely getting better. You know, it was worse when I got in. Um, but I thought, you know, coming in with integrity would be a huge opportunity in the business. Um, and that drove me, and I was really successful really early on. Um, until there when was you say a time. financial services, what type, like insurance, or you were doing uh, 401ks, or what were you doing with financial services? So I specialized in um, 401k and defined benefit plans, you know, something um, that allowed people to contribute a lot more money um, to their retirement savings than, you know, the traditional avenues. Um, and I also help people with their, you know, financial planning and their, you know, personal investment services. Um, and so I got in thinking that I was going to make a really big difference. And, you know, I got a lot of momentum early on until um, there was a situation where I really saw firsthand um, sort of the, the ethic and morality issues in the business. Um, and, you know, being so close to that really kind of like, put my head for a spin and I got depressed and I sat back and I started thinking about what I was doing and uh, what I was doing was I was helping people with their finances but I was helping people with their finances that would live and die by their finances and and that's totally great it's, it's a noble service you're adding value to people but I wanted to do something more and so 
you know, now, I, you know, look back confidence, up, you got me curious, Harrison, about what did you see which was unethical without you breaking confidence or revealing who it is? What, sure. Yeah, of, I, I could. What was the behavior? What was the behaviors you observed that really were bothersome to you? So I could I could go into it. Um, so there, the, I mean, I could go into it without names, but there was a there was a client, um, a really big client. It was going to make me, you know, a, a millionaire at 23. It was it was that big of a client. And I went in, and you know, first I met it was a it was a um, it was another financial services firm. That was kind of my specialty. Um, and so I I came in. And I started. I talked with the partners. You know, they they were interested. I spoke with their tax team. They were interested. I spoke with the Swiss suite. They were interested. And then I spoke with the board of directors, um, and they were totally interested. Um, they asked me. You know. This long process of all these meetings, they asked me to, you know, send over uh, the paperwork so they could sign it and we could onboard them. Um, and I do work with service providers. I can't, you know, supply you know retirement services by myself. So I reached out to my service providers to get the paperwork together so that we could send it to the client and they could sign it. We can onboard them. And what I didn't know is one of the service providers that I worked with, you know, worked with, you know, another business and. Um, she and that business had gone in to um, to pitch the same client five years before me, and you know, on finally winning this you know new business, um, and he picked up the phone and he called the company, he called the CFO and basically cursed the CFO out and said like you know you're working with me, um, that's the only option that you have, um, and the CFO didn't even know who this guy was, uh, but he you know got a really bad taste in his mouth and you know to this day he's actually. Um, not being serviced properly because of this experience of you know this other guy in the business who you know didn't allow this company to get what they really needed, um, and that got me you know depressed and I started thinking a lot about what I was doing, and what I was doing was you know I was helping people um, with their finances, but people that weren't going to live or die by their finances and. You know, um, it's a noble profession. You know, I, I, it's really necessary. Um, it's a really great value to society, but it was just not necessarily what I wanted to do. And so I thought back in my life, and I remembered the depression and the obesity and just wanting to be happy growing up and how long it took me to overcome that and um, beat it once and for all. There were a lot of ups and downs. There's there's a lot of miseducation out there, and it's it's not in a bad way. Um, the miseducation out there is just nutrition and different diets, and you know they're trying to to get new. You know that's their job. It's to to teach new things, and so they kind of run with things that may not be in the best interest of their readers, but they're not doing it to hurt their readers. They're just doing it because they learn this cool information that'd be nice for their readers. So. Um, that's what's so exciting. Um, there's so much that goes into uh, this food company and the nutrition behind it. Um, so what's going to make it so different is that, you know, I, I, I struggle with obesity. You know, people in my family have struggled. I know a lot of people that have struggled. Um, and, you know, one consistent motif that I've learned is that, you know, one, you know, a lot of people understand that being healthy is better than uh, being unhealthy. And so they try to become healthy. And, they generally eat healthy, and then it's in times where you know they're in the office and they're stressed. They may be overwhelmed. Um, they don't have any time to get anything healthy, so they just reach for something that you know is going to taste really good because their brain is looking for some sort of dopamine hit or some sort of pleasure. 
you know, or other situations where something in life happens out of their control and they get a little upset and feel like, you know, something happened to them and they're, they, they're, they're not happy about that. Or, you know, if they get angry at themselves because, you know, they don't perform the way they perform, you know, they reach for um, these snack foods that, you know, taste really good and, you know, help you feel better in the moment, um, but end up bringing you lower into emotional distress. And it's, it becomes this vicious cycle. And so, you know, we went out to create a product that uh, we could help people take control of their health without asking them to diet or change the way they eat because, you know, when mm-hmm. their worst, you know, habits, that the, the eating this junk food when they're in emotional distress, um, we're, we're creating a product that offers the same sort of, you know, emotional relief um, with the flavor and the pleasure center, but uh, we'll do a lot of good things for your body. It'll feed your body. Um, and so a few hours later, you'll feel better, you'll have more energy, you'll be able to focus more, um, and you'll be healthier. And all of this comes from just a bag of snacks. Now, when you think about your food without giving away trade secrets, what drove you to come up with your formula, if you may, for what you're trying to provide there? Do you have some researchers that you're working with, or how did you come up with an alternative that's going to be healthy for people yet still as quote unquote, I don't want to call addictive, but certainly as pleasant. <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, addiction is, is a really good thing to think about. Um, you know, a lot of these foods are, are really created to be addictive and, you know, something that we're doing is we're offering a food that helps people break their addiction. So I got a question, um, the other day, about you know my food company and and it was from a very educated woman and she said you know shouldn't people be eating more fruits and vegetables instead of you know snacks like yours and you know the answer is snacks like mine will help people eat more fruits and vegetables you know our bodies have evolved over thousands of years to crave foods that are healthy for us um and about you know 90 or 100 years ago Um, When we had to feed a growing population, we had to change the way we grew our foods. And we made our foods grow faster and bigger um, in order to feed the growing population. But what that did was it removed the nutrients from the food. And with the nutrients, it removed the flavor. Because our body actually equates um, flavor to nutrients in the food. That's how it knows what to eat. And so when we removed the flavor from the food, companies started to add flavor to the to the food and it wasn't to hurt the consumer they added flavor to the food so it was enjoyable so people would eat their food um, but that had some negative consequences it sort of confused our bodies because um, in general the reason why we crave different foods is because we have a certain nutrient deficiency in our body so for example um, you know the the way our body creates ATP is a cycle called the Krebs cycle. And in order to, to go through the Krebs cycle, our body needs a certain amount of vitamin B12 in it to make that process work. And without the vitamin B12, we can't form those energy molecules. And so when we're low on vitamin B, B12, um, our basically goes into its database of you know, foods over the last year we've eaten that has vitamin B12, and it picks one, and it sends that signal to your brain. And that's why you crave certain foods. Um, you know, what happened was when we introduced, um, you know, chemical flavors into the food system, 
is these chemical flavors would tell our body there were certain nutrients in the food that weren't there. And so if we needed vitamin B12 um, and we recalled one of these, you know, flavored foods that, you know, acted like it had B12, what would happen is you would eat that food, your body would subconsciously sense that flavor of vitamin B12 and say, this is awesome, this food definitely has it. And then it'll go through our body and we won't get the nutrient we need. And so we'll crave the same exact food because our body's like, oh, that has a nutrient we need, let's crave it. And so it sort of creates this sort of addiction cycle and eventually your body just gets confused and doesn't really know what to crave and then we just end up craving foods that are really high in calories like cheeseburgers and fried chicken and um, snack foods. And so, you know, when you replace the, the flavored, the highly flavored foods in your diet, um, the snack foods with the foods that we're creating, which are whole foods, which are, you know, you know, real ingredients, um, it starts to teach your body, it starts to retrain your body what foods are, and then your body's craving system can actually work uh, more efficiently and more effectively, and you'll start craving more fruits and vegetables. Well, that's great. Now, how are you going to keep them uh, palatable? You, <laughs> do you have a scientist that's kind of working with you, Harrison, to be able to create those things? Yeah, that's a really good question, and the answer is yes. Um, so when I started out to create this project, you know, I knew of specialty ingredients just from, you know, the ten years of me trying to beat obesity. I did so much research. I read so many books. I read so many articles. I discovered so many new ingredients that I sort of had in my mind, you know, the basis of, of you know a product that we could make. And so I I went to my kitchen and I started trying to just you know cook up chips. And eventually we got to a point where it was obvious that what I envisioned was possible, but that there was no way I would be able to bring that vision um, into reality. And so I, I hired a team of food scientists that you know literally do this for a living. Um, and they took what I had and turned it to a really delicious product that I'm really excited to share with the world in March. Awesome. And of course, podcasts are release at different dates and it could be you're listening to this and it's already released or it's stored on <laughs> online as a legacy product so all those things come to play now uh harrison if people want to find out more about you how do they contact you what's your site so ken i love when people reach out i love to help others i love to add value um you know these podcasts are really awesome but they're kind of short and so sometimes we discuss ideas that may be really fascinating um but we didn't get to go into detail. So if there's anything you want to go into detail on, you know, please find me and please reach out. And there are three ways to get in touch with me. Uh, you know, the first way to get in touch with me is through my Instagram, which might be the millennial in me. Uh, but if you find me on Instagram, it's at Harrison Hunter Reed. You could send me a message and I would love to answer you. Um, you could also find me on LinkedIn if that's your platform of choice. Uh, my name on LinkedIn is Harrison Hunter Reed Fisher, CPFA, and I'm happy to connect and to, you know, talk more about things with you. Or if you just want to learn more about the company and, you know, be informed about, you know, when our project is available, our product is available, or if it's already available, you know, how you can get your hands on it, um, you can go to Kula.com, K-O-O-H-L-A-H. So it's K. Uh, the word ooh, the letter L, and the word ah.com. And you can you know, sign up for a newsletter and uh, 
stay informed there. Okay. Well, thanks very much, uh, Harrison, for joining us on the show. Before I leave, before we leave, if you were to say share one piece of sort of advice to young people like yourself who are thinking about starting in your in business, what would you say to them as far as a recommendation or some wisdom? Right. So, uh, you know, there, there are just a few things that you need in order to be successful in business. And, you know, one of the first things is an open mind. You know, a lot of us, you know, almost everybody in the world has really great ideas. And the difference between, you know, someone who builds great companies and someone who, you know, just, you know, stays in a job that they don't really love is the person who built the great company is sat down and said, this is a really good idea. I'm going to do it, and I don't care what people think or people tell me. You know, you know, I do a lot of different things, and, you know, I get backlash all the time. Like, even sometimes from my parents tell me that some of my ideas, you know, would never work. Um, and they just don't see the vision that I have or you have. And so if you see a vision um, for something you can create, something that, you know, would bring value to this world, it's just understand that, you know, Nobody will know it as good as you. And the difference between, you know, having a great company and not having a great company is just going for it. Um, you know, another piece of advice is um, why do you want to bring this to the world? You know, uh, you know, fame and fortune and, uh, you know, materialistic things are a driving factor, but they're not really going to sustain you over the long term. What's really going to sustain you over the long term is you deeply in your heart know exactly why you're doing it. And so, you know, I'd love to share an example of a friend of mine, a guy named Justin, who actually doesn't even have his own business. He works for, you know, a really big consulting company. And he does marketing consulting for, you know, financial services companies. And, you know, um, he's one of the, you know, most productive employees. And the reason why is because, you know, he thinks about his grandmother every day. His grandmother is in her, you know, mid to late 80s. Um, she's retired. She doesn't have any income. Um, and in order for her to be able to, you know, live the life she wants, have fun, you know, put food on her table, she needs certain, you know, financial products to have the money to be able to afford those things. And him, um, when he goes into work every day, he's helping financial companies get their message out so they can talk to people like his grandmother and make sure his grandmother can be able to feed herself. So he goes in every single day thinking about if he doesn't do a good job today, his grandma doesn't eat. So he is completely fueled by the thought of, you know, wine gives grandmother a life. And, you know, that's something that all of us can find. Um, mm. And that would really get you through the lows of, um, being an entrepreneur. And to be honest with you, I have a really strong why. And when there are lows in my business, which just happens a lot, it even excites me because it's like, you know, lows aren't going to stop me. I know this. I have such a strong why that, you know, no matter what, I'm going to figure it out. So when I approach a speed bump or an obstacle or a challenge, I'm excited because it's something new and I'm going to learn how I get around this um, because I know that there's no way I'm not going to do it because of the why. Well, thank you, Air Harrison. We appreciate you spending the time with us. Yeah, Ken, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. You are a very great host, and I love being on your show. Well, stay on the line. Thanks, uh, uh, Harrison, and appreciate that. You know, when you think about uh, life and moving forward, Harrison gives you a, a, 
a prime example or an example of an individual at his young age, and I say that personally because I have a son his age, of being able to step out there and take risks, uh, get behind a cause or a purpose that's greater than himself. So what is it for you? What is it that drives you? What is your why? What is important to you? So thank you as always for spending your most valuable commodity, your time with us today. And my encouragement is, is that if you like what we're doing, just please share, pass it on, let somebody else know about Secrets of Success. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.